0: bulls gold is delivered to you via the barroom network now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about chicago sports movies and more make sure to subscribe to the barroom network for free and easy downloads of its programming and visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts hoodies and mugs now on with the show
1: Bulls gold here on the Ballroom Network. I'm Edward Schuler, joined as always by Salim Sudawala. We have the episode of the beginning of the regular season. So basketball is back. No more preseason. We are back, full fledged. Salim, how you doing today, man? I'm
0: doing great. Uh, it's a Monday, but it is uh, kind of an extended weekend for me. Had today off. Obviously, basketball back our oh, NBA is back tomorrow, which is exciting. It should be a fun couple of games tomorrow night and obviously the first week of festivities for the NBA in general. Looking forward to that. But yeah, everything's going well for me. How about you?
1: Yeah, everything everything is good. I like I said, we we're kind of like in the one of the like funnest times of the year, I think, with sports where it's NFL going on, baseball playoffs, and the NBA is back. WNBA Finals just ended as well. So I mean, there's so much going on. But the NBA is here. The Bulls are back on Wednesday. We actually have regular season basketball to sink our teeth into. Everyone's emotions are going to be high. There's going to be a lot of things going on, a lot of different storylines, and I'm excited, man. Like it's, I I think we're going to learn a lot about this team well i think we already know a lot about this team but i think we're gonna know a lot about them as far as it pertains to this season very quickly especially with this beginning schedule
0: 100 it's like the first 25 games is a bit of a gauntlet if you will and um yeah but we're gonna find out pretty quick especially with how they want to play I know we're going to get into some of that conversation when we talk right now, but I think,
1: I think, yeah, we'll find out pretty quick on what the type of team this team will be this season. Right, right, right. So, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and get into it. And, we're going to bring in our uh, our guest for today. Uh, I feel like he doesn't really need an introduction, but I, I, I will try my best to give him one. Uh, he is the co-host of uh, CAGO's uh, Chicago Bulls coverage with Big Dave, uh, Will Gottlieb, our good friend Mark K is on there. He always does a great job. Formerly a Bulls outsider as well, you've heard him on Locked On Bulls. He's everywhere. He was just telling us he's on this like podcast circuit <laughs> right now uh, through his days. Just he's just everywhere in the Bulls community. One of the like most prominent voices. Our good friend Matt Peck. Matt, man, welcome back to Bulls Gold, man.
2: Ed Salim, uh, such a pleasure to be with you guys as always. Um, your your intro was was far too kind, Ed. Uh, but I gotta I gotta call you out, Ed. I was uh, lucky enough to receive an invitation to Salim's big 40th birthday bash celebration uh, this past weekend. Yeah. Showed up, had a couple of drinks, had a great time, got to meet a bunch of Salim's friends, got to meet some of his family. And you were nowhere to be found.
1: What's up with that,
2: man? I mean, I know you're not (laughs) Chicago local, but a big momentous occasion like that.
1: (laughs) Look, I keep saying that I got to get back out there, especially like Salim just had his 40th and like happy belated birthday to him. But yeah, I... I just got to get out there at some point, man. I got to – it's just the stars really got to align. <laughs> not, you know, North Carolina is only uh, – In season. So we can all go to a game together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, so it's still on It's still on the list. I'm still trying to – but, yeah, I, I, I hate that I missed it, man. <laughs> you
0: know, something you have to always add, like, you know, like, in season for sure, because it would be cool to get both of together. Right. But I'm like, you know what, Chicago in the summer is, like, where it's at. And it's better to come out in the summer and not try to schedule your life around the bulls because <laughs> the bulls are uh annoying and they're disappointing every year. So it's like it's hard to it's hard to say like, I wanna do stuff with that, like go to the game with them, you know, go to little she or watch baby if they're doing one when he's down. Do stuff like that. But it's like at the same time Chicago summer, you know, so it's yeah. like, I, 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 <laughs> I tutor back and forth between convincing them when they come.
1: Y'all have like what, top five, like top five summers in the U.S.? Like, it's got to be up there, right?
2: Uh, it's, it's Un- unbeatable, in my opinion. It's great. And honestly, I I love this time of year, too. October in Chicago is, especially oh, if you get lucky and, you know, you don't get a lot of rain. Like, it was gorgeous today. It was like 60 degrees, sunny. I mean... Jeans and a flannel or jeans and a hoodie weather, that's oh, a wheelhouse. Oh, it's beautiful. I love that. It's, 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 yeah. Because the Bulls are just starting and they
0: haven't yet made us angry. So, like, the optim- optimism is still there. And it is beautiful in Chicago right now, as, as Matt just said. So, it's probably a good I- idea to plan uh, Chicago trips. And if you're a Bulls fan, that is, in, in earlier – uh, during the season, not a lot late in the season, like, yeah. like how a guy, Mark K. So obviously Mark K did get some special games, but still the bulls were still very much the bulls at that point.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I think the bulls went three and two, uh, in the five games while Mark was in town visiting, uh, which, you know, for the bulls, that's a, a better record than the 40 and 42 they finished with,
1: <laughs> but, you know,
2: they were, they were yeah. confidently marching to that 10th seat in a play in tournament appearance when Mark oh. was here in March, <laughs>
1: Right, right. Yeah, I feel like I got to make sure my timing is better for sure. Because the time that I did go, I went in January around my birthday, and it was like two degrees. So, uh, yeah, I immediately scurried back into my hotel room after the game. But uh, definitely gonna try and make sure I, I get there at some point. But I mean, Celine, you mentioned that, you know, so beginning of the season, there's a there's some optimism, I guess. We I guess. really haven't gotten a chance to get mad, but. Let's let's start off with this. Uh, I know we didn't have this on like the on the docket, but uh, we we saw today the uh, the rookie uh, like the deadline for or the deadline for extensions for some of these like rookie contracts um, has passed, and our very own Patrick Williams left without a deal. So I think we saw deals fly for like Jaden McDaniels for uh, Danny Avia. Um, I think. Uh, Okonkwo on the uh, Hawks got a deal. Like I, I saw some deals get done, but with Patrick Williams, I think it's very interesting, especially given where we're kind of projecting this team to probably be over the next couple of years. Like I think people probably expect some sort of rebuild at some point. So Williams not getting a deal is going to be really interesting next off season. but l- let's start with this, Matt. Like, what do you, what do you think about the, uh, of of the deadline passing without him getting a contract, and where do you ultimately see him settling? Like I, I think I saw McDaniels got five years, one thirty five, and Denny got like what like three years, fifty five, or something like that, or like I, I don't know. I think I think the his range is probably going to be somewhere in between that. But it's always interesting seeing different takes on this because I think Pat is kind of like, I think there's just very two staunchly different s- sides with Patrick Williams right now. So w- what do you think about where you see his contract uh, landing? Golden?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, was not surprised to see the, the deadline come and go without a, a Pat extension getting done. I think most everybody assumed that his, his representatives and the Bulls were not going to find common ground, uh, you know, at the midnight hour before the season started. Um, so we're just going to play it out and he'll enter restricted free agency, uh, you know, next summer. And we'll see that. That I think basically means we have to punt on what kind of contract we're going to see the bulls and Patrick agree to potentially after what we see him do on, on the court this season. Uh, you know, he's, he's coming off a year where you know, he averaged double-digit points per game on, you know, more strong shooting percentages from from behind the arc, but still didn't quite add those other elements to his game, especially on the offensive end, that a lot of Bulls fans were, were wanting to see from him. And and it's the same reason why Bulls fans are probably skeptical and, and maybe even afraid to talk about Patrick Williams' contract figures right now when you see some of the other deals that, uh, as you mentioned, Ed, got done uh, on on extension deadline day earlier today, when you toss out the hundred million dollar figure and attach it to Patrick, Patrick Williams, based on just what we've been talking about on, on CHGO recently. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about Pat this off season because he's such an important piece. Most bulls fans get terrified and think Patrick Williams, a hundred million dollars. Like what has he done to, to earn that, to deserve that kind of money? Hmm. We'll see. It might be something along the, you know, the shorter deal, worth the, you know, 60 to $75 million range, like, you know, the ones you mentioned, Avdia, uh, um you know, five years in 135, whatever it was for Jay McDaniel is big. And I think most Bulls fans would not want to see that long of a deal uh, for Patrick. But again, I think a lot of it will boil down to what we see from Patrick uh, this upcoming season. I still am holding on to my Patrick Williams stock. Um, I, I am cautiously optimistic that we'll see uh, an even better version of him this upcoming season. I know that he can be a solid three and D player. He's already a decent three and D player because he plays very competent defense and he can knock down threes. It's just that level of aggression that Bulls fans are really missing from him to maybe add more offense to his game and, and be, be assertive and and be a quick decision maker, which is something that Billy Donovan was talking about uh, at one of their practices last week with regard to pat and what he wants to see differently from pat so as far as what i'm anticipating with patrick's contract now that we're punting it down the road to restricted free agency i haven't a clue but i can confidently say i would not be surprised if they do ultimately retain him on a new contract and that contract ends up being a multi-year deal close to or even a bit above 100 million dollars
0: yeah i think like i personally would have been comfortable with five year 100 like 115 or whatever that roughly came out to but we don't know exactly the numbers or how far apart the bulls and pat were. i know zach lowe had that uh quote that was circulated and some people took it as him wanting 200 million dollars but it was more so zach lowe hinting at being 20 plus million a year on an average Mm -hmm. which i think is fair because when you look at some of the numbers out there for guys like him it's what they make like the big wings that can play they're plus defenders that can shoot the ball uh they're young and granted obviously at this point pat it'd be more so a projection of him becoming better and more solidifying himself as a two-way player and i think that's something we can all project a little bit one way or another some obviously are not in agreement they think he's not gonna get much better than he is other, all of us who are a little bit more positive on Pat, definitely, I can see that, like not stardom, but like just being that solid big wing uh, that can, you know, fill in the starting lineup for the next 10 plus years, or if you will. Um, So something like that would come but it's just like, like, you know, it's like I said, it's just hard to really have an opinion on it because you just don't know how far the organization and Pat Morgan. and really in a lot of situations like this the bulls generally do this they they say listen let's wait till restrict free agency this isn't a brand new territory for the bulls uh it's a rare occasion where they say let's extend our rookies and i think the last time they did that is what Derek grows when obviously mm-hmm. that was a no-brainer yeah coming off an mvp let's wrap this guy up for we don't want them going into free agency ever we just wrap them up five four years um, but outside of that, it's always been kind of this, you know, we, we want you to prove you're worth it, and then we'll pay
2: you. So yeah, um, you, you it, guys, it, I'm it sure remember sense. Jimmy's situation. Uh, yeah. you know, I know you're a big Jimmy guy, Salim. Yeah, you know, they that, they offered that, yeah. him uh, a modest team friendly extension off his rookie deal when he was really starting to look like a, a, a solid potential player, and sure. he turned it down, and you know, famously bet on himself, and then after that had his breakout year where he won most improved player and saw that huge jump in his, you know, points per game average and then and then ended up signing a max uh after that. So you know, very curious to see what happens there with Pat. Um but, but you know the, you the other thing to think about it? is uh and Will brought this up on our show today, Bulls fans who are panicking about a figure like that. And you know, I, I think you're level headed to say five years a hundred or somewhere around there. Like that's that's just like a solid role players contract in the NBA these days. Think of it as in terms of percentage of the cap, not right. the dollar figures that are, that look gigantic and scary because, right, right. you know, we, we were talking about the Pacers on today's show. Halliburton got his rookie extension deal done. You know, yes. maybe a, a a fellow 2020 draft class uh, member like Pat, who some Bulls fans are wishing we had instead of Pat right now, but mm-hmm. five years, a hundred or five years, 260, like the, that rookie class. And the guys got, who got extensions for that rookie class who are, on their way to being stars and even superstars. That's the figure that they're getting on a four or five year deal. We're right. talking about Pat and being afraid to give him a hundred million to be a hopefully good and still improving role player. Maybe not quite star for a contract. That's less than half of that. So like, it's, it's all relative.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I think like people were still, some people are still kind of like adjusting to because remember, like back in the day, like 100 million was kind of like, oh, my God, that's Albatross money. Like it's right. 20 million. Oh, my God, you're going to kill our cap. But like yeah. <laughs> the cap is going up like it it's percentage of the cap that you really want to focus on. And when you think about someone making 20 million or really 25 million, that is really, really good role player or. You know, solid starter money in the NBA. It's not superstar, all star money like anymore. So, I I don't really have a problem with it. I do think that Patrick Williams, especially if he has a good season, he'll probably lean closer to that Jaden McDaniels contract. I think ultimately. So, uh, like, what do you think is the what do you think of what's the likelihood? And to quote the wire, the price of the brick going up. Like, wh- what is the likelihood that happens for Patrick Williams and the Bulls are in a scenario where they have no choice but to match whatever Patrick Williams gets in that type of range?
2: Yeah, I, I want you to put the word out there that we back up. Um, <laughs> uh, God, I need to rewatch the wire. I mean, I've watched rewatched it a million times, but it's been a minute. It's uh, so so damn good. Um, I I mean the restricted free agency element of this now will be interesting. And I, I think Bulls fans in recent examples have gotten upset with what they have paid guys, whether it be in terms of actual dollars or in, in DeMar's case, the sign in trade, when, you know, th- people ask, well, wh- like, who were you bidding against, you know, to, to get DeMar over from the Spurs and to give them first round draft capital in addition to signing him to that deal. That was a pretty lucrative deal for for a star who was, you know, like, you know, a, a a star but no superstar at his age with the Mars deal. And then the same thing with Vooch this past summer, like three years of 60. Like who who on the free agent you know market out there was calling Vooch and offering him 20 mil annually for the next three years for a center who's good but not great on the wrong side of 30. Like that that is the big question that keeps coming up. Like, are are the Bulls outbidding themselves with some of these deals? I don't know if we will see the same situation play out with Pat. Uh, And again, um, so much of this hinges on what kind of player he looks like in this final year of his rookie deal. My guess is that there are plenty of teams with scouts and front offices around the NBA who still see a potential hugely uh, useful building block player in Patrick Williams, who, and I know my guy, Mark Hay, hates it when I bring this up. And it's steadily, the number has changed. What, you know, whether you're talking about dollar figures or age, Patrick Williams just turned 22 in August. Right. Like, yeah, he's coming into the last year of his rookie deal, but he still has such a big window to potentially improve his game and to go from being a good role player to maybe finally blossoming into that star player that Bulls fans wanted when we drafted him fourth overall. Um, I think that plenty of people around the league still have visions of patrick turning into that caliber of a player so this might be a scenario in which the bulls actually have to outbid to retain pat and you know obviously you know he's their restricted free agent so if pat does go out and sign an offer sheet which is what the bulls made zach levine do with the kings back in the day um they they can have that final option to match whatever that offer is if he signs a different one um I love the Bulls say, go get an offer and we'll match it. If that is how it plays out, I think whatever that is, they will match it.
0: Yeah, and, and they may even do the Kobe thing where, like, listen, Kobe, you showed that like, you improved last year, and we have faith in you as far as far as being a, a part of this team and building block going forward. And they may just negotiate right away before even letting him speak to other teams and even in restricted free agency. But that, that is a long time from now, um, and we'll find out. Obviously, the season's going to be very interesting, and the biggest interesting com- thing coming out of training camp and preseason games was what is the starting lineup going to look like and what is it going to be, who uh, who are going to get it between for the point guard spot. We all thought uh, when the Bulls signed Javon Carter that, yeah, he is like a supercharged Pat Bev, so he fits in perfectly in that starting spot. With uh, Zach and can play off of Zach and Demar, and as far as defensively is concerned, and obviously his shooting, um, and then obviously people thought like, look, I we granted we expect Patrick Williams to earn that starting spot, that but he would be challenged a little bit more with Tory Craig coming in and kind of pushing him. Uh, neither of those things happened. Uh, we saw Kobe White just come in and grasp that starting spot. Um, Patrick Williams. I wouldn't. As much as a, a pack guy I am, um, I, I don't think he came in and convinced that he necessarily uh, grasped that starting spot. As I think, is more so that's what the Bulls want to do: have him start. Um, and you know, so the starting lineup is going to be uh, Kobe, Zach, Pat, DeMar, and Vooch. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Matt, going into this uh, season as we have as we have that uh, starting lineup concluded?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think at this point between preseason ending and, you know, on the on the precipice of their regular season opener day after tomorrow uh, against OKC, I am fully comfortable with the fact that Kobe took what Billy Donovan and AK said would be an open competition in training camp and and seized that starting point guard job. I have come around um on, on it because I don't know if you remember, but you know, back when Kobe was younger rookie year, second season, uh, his second season in particular, like the bulls gave him the keys cause they didn't have any better options. Like, all right, you're our starting point guard this year. Go give it your best shot. And I think in a lot of ways, and Billy spoke to this recently, Kobe wasn't quite ready for that. Um, and his game wasn't necessarily, you know, tailor made at that point and ready at that point to be a starting point guard in the NBA. And he struggled that second year uh, when the bulls asked him to start and credit to him for always just rolling with the punches and being very adaptable because his role on this team has changed on a monthly basis, basically starting from when he was drafted, you know, people called him one of the biggest likely trade candidates coming into last season. I was on that bandwagon too. I thought, I thought that Kobe would be gone by the trade deadline just based on the way the 21, 22 season went. And to his credit, he had a really strong year last year. Um, whether he was spot starting or, or coming off the bench, he improved in a lot of ways that I was hoping to see him improve. His ball handling got tighter. um, His, his court vision got better. He finished at the rim at a much better percentage. um, And, and his defense improved. He's so much better at fighting through screens and, and, you know, being a difference maker on the defensive end, which used to kind of prevent Kobe from being on the floor at certain times. Cause if his shot wasn't fallen, he was like borderline unplayable because his defense uh, was, was that bad. Now it's not, now it's passable. And in some, you know, cases you might even say Kobe's gone to being like a slightly plus defender in some ways. So I'm fine with that. The Patrick Torrey Craig one is now I think the the vastly more, you know, uh, interesting one, curious one, because I'm with you, Salim. I, I liked a couple of things in a couple of the games that we saw from Pat in preseason, just like it's always been with Pat. He shows you these flashes, and then he disappears. And then he shows you another flash, and then he disappears. And meanwhile, Torrey Craig played like a man with his hair on fire in those preseason games. I was like, oh, this is a great signing. Like, kudos to the Bulls. They're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. But Tory Craig and Javon Carter both like vets who – can come in and immediately offer things that the Bulls were lacking last season. Um, so I, after those preseason games, I was like, I I don't think Patrick the starting spot, but I agree with you, Celine. I think the front office of this team, whether or not Billy thinks starting Pat is in Pat's best interest and the team's best interest, certainly in the front office's best interest to see Pat hold down a starting spot he is their prize fourth overall pick their first year on the job their first month on the job basically i don't know how it's going to pan out maybe billy will mix things up at some point um and you know my guy big dave said that he's in favor of keeping pat in that starting lineup because he thinks it can still you know offer pat developmental opportunities to play with those starters and he likes the idea of tory craig in a you know, similar to Caruso type role coming in and being a, you know, wreaking havoc kind of guy off the bench. And that maybe if he's coming in, in that bench role and maybe playing against some second units or some staggered units, he can have a greater impact on the game than if he were in the starting lineup and teams were, you know, game planning for him, you know, from, from tip off. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a mixed bag between who I think should start between Pat and Tory Craig right now. But I agree that Pat did not like, uh, solidly earn that starting spot in his preseason performances. Yeah, I so think... think
0: that there is, uh, there, I also think that there is argument where because he Pat, wants the ball in his hands more, it made sense to kind of bring him off the bench uh, and allow him to be kind of at, at, at worst a secondary ball handler. Uh, so that's why, and I think like with the Tory Craig fitting in better with the sort of starting supporting cast role as well, so yeah, I mean, I'm 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 fine with Pat starting if if it works out in the end, obviously, and I think it can uh, certainly, and, and I think Big Dave has the right mindset too, in a sense, with Pat. But yeah, it's it's interesting that I was more interested in that how it ended up going because I generally thought that they would make a situation where it would be a. Up for grabs in a sense, not just sign that Pat, you are going to start for sure, no matter how preseason goes.
1: Right, yeah, I, I, I'll pile along with with you guys. Uh, I think Kobe White has more than taken this job and just said like, "Yo, you can't, you can't bench me. Like, you got to play me." (laughs) Like he 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 looks the part. We've been seeing what um, Ak and Eversley have been saying in the off season and you see why they're saying it. Like the game has slowed down for Kobe. (laughs) He is making better decisions. Like you said, Matt, he is night and day defensively from where he was early in the earlier parts of um, his career. And it's really crazy that, yeah, we were like, Kind of like on board mostly with the thought of like trading him at some point because it was like man we're not going to get anything for him and he's going to be out of the rotation and he can't stay on the floor and like there's just too many guards but I I think he should start I think on the other hand with Patrick Williams I I like the idea of him coming off the bench I I think it can work out better for him like Torrey Craig to me is a, like he's a proven role player. I think he fits in really well with these vets and there really will be no pressure on Tory Craig to like be this, to be something that, you know, fans really want him to be. I think he will come in and he will be Tory Craig. There's no doubt about that for me. Like he's done that his career. I think if Patrick Williams is in that starting spot, then we are going to be expecting something out of him and expecting him to take a jump to score more points to be a noticeably better player. And I think his chances of doing that are better coming off the bench than in the starting lineup for now. So if Tory Craig isn't Tori Craig, then we can kind of revisit that. But I I think starting, like, I think bringing Pat off the bench is going to be a good move for him. Like, I think he can do well. So I'm all in favor for that.
0: Right, yeah, we'll we'll see how it it happens. Obviously, first game is Wednesday, so we'll see how that, transpires for the starting lineup. Uh, what were some of your other thoughts in preseason? I know the shooting was a big factor, obviously coming into this offseason. Bulls added Torrey Craig and Javon Carter for that to up the shooting. Um, and obviously Billy and them all talked about how they were going to change up the offense and uh, how that changing the offense would generate more shooting as well. And I think the first game we saw positive results of that. And we, I think we all got excited and hopeful that, hey, okay, okay, this looks better. We're getting more volume, getting good looks. I think the offense is doing certain things that uh, will benefit the offense into the regular season. But then as the preseason went on, they kind of saw the same old bulls. Uh, the shooting volume being low and just very uh, concerning shooting in general. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how how concerned are you again going into the regular season with uh, how much the Bulls will improve their shooting?
2: Very. Uh, I I mean, not not to not to be mean and and not to be a sky is falling kind of Bulls fan. And I'm just trying to be a realist. I I always try to be a realist. To me, it's been the biggest concern for two years now. I mean, you are getting left in the dust of how these other NBA teams are modernizing their offenses and prioritizing the fact that three is a bigger number than two. Uh, And the Bulls refuse to accept this reality. Um, Yes, they added two pieces to the roster in Carter and Craig, who have both proven that they can take and make three-pointers at a respectable volume. But we watched five preseason games. And other than that, preseason game that went to double overtime uh they they didn't shoot 30 plus threes like or i think they did just barely manage it in their last one but so in one out of five regulations did they actually manage to get up 30 plus three point attempts that is a concern I, I, if we have to sit here and watch this team finish dead last in the NBA in and, and three-point attempt for a three-point volume for a third straight season, I'm going to start bashing my head against the wall because I, mm-hmm. I can't take it. Look, and I, it's about creating better looks for any and all of these players. Billy talked about it and hammered on it during training camp down in Nashville and has talked about it more throughout these preseason games. We want Zach to be able to shoot more threes. Zach talked about shooting more threes. Zach is lethal. Can we get him more looks where he has catch and shoot opportunities instead of trying to create his own more difficult threes off the dribble and on step backs and burying threes with guys in his face? Can we get more three-point volume from Pat- Patrick Williams, who, yes, doubled his three-point attempts per game from you know two seasons ago to last season and still managed to keep it at 41%, which is great, but he still passed up, constantly, Good open looks last season. Saw it all the time. So can he, you know, increase his attempts and the quality of his looks? I I, like, you know, Vooch is hit or miss. Some nights he'll be on from three and some nights he won't. Like Caruso, like weirdly caught fire and like knocked down four threes in one of their preseason games, but he is hit or miss. He's not very reliable. Hopefully we can see a more confident IO behind the arc this season. Because you know, he he knocked down the three ball pretty well his rookie year and then just had a really rough shooting slump, his his second season. Um, you know, he 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 made a really nice pull up three in transition in their preseason finale game that I thought I was like, oh, that's it's nice to see Io have the confidence to pull that pull that three and take it in transition. Um and, and yeah, but so between all of that, as far as the the returning guys and then adding in Carter and Craig, can Billy actually get these guys to buy into more ball movement and more player movement off the ball and not just standing and watching as DeMar and Zach are going ISO trying to beat their guys off the dribble. And, uh, and the other thing that, that Billy and AK have both stressed repeatedly getting ready for this season is that they want to create more good looks from three by getting into the paint and then distributing. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, going back to Kobe and our thoughts on him earning a starting point guard spot, I thought the head, that Kobe did a pretty solid job uh, with that um, in, in his preseason minutes. So can we see that? And can it, can it mean that the Bulls go from being the very bottom of the barrel NBA three-point team to somewhere in the middle, middle-bottom? Like, even if they go from being the 30th team in three-point attempts to 22nd, 23rd, like, it will help. It will help because they can knock them down. They just don't take enough of them. So, yeah, yes, like, long answer short, yes, I am still very, very concerned about that.
1: So, what would be, what would, what, what's like the general expectation that people have in terms of like three point rate for this team next season? Cause like usually like the median for like three point rate is somewhere around like 38%, like recently 37, 38, 39%. And the Bulls are well below that, like the last two seasons, I think at like 32 or 33. Where do they, like, is there, is there a, a hope that they can be average, like, in that 37 or 38 with these additions? Or is there a, a hope that they can just be not as far under as they were? Because, like, I, I'm pretty sure, like, I think we all know they're not going to be above 38 or 39. Like, no. they're not going to be in that upper echelon. So they're they're not going to turn into the
2: Warriors in one season's right. time. I mean, it's right. it's going to no. be a gradual process. But I think, you know, I think, Ed, like, Striving for the middle is Hmm. a good first step in terms of actually trying to address and fix this problem, which they basically just ignored for the past two seasons. Hmm. I have a kind of a... um, I don't think
0: that... stick is a hard way of kind of getting that three-point volume up. Um, To Ed's point, as far as the percentage of Three is that they finished obviously the last in the preseason they finished at 34.5 percent of their shots were from three which were 33 of uh all the preseason teams and that includes like teams that play international teams and other nba teams played so they were worse than the international teams that NBA teams. there play. are
2: 33 uh, and-
0: teams in the nba <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh so- uh, they they struggle there. And my thing thinking is okay, so h- how do you really improve even to get from last to 22 23 uh, in the league? Uh, like you said, Matt. And to me, Kobe and Carter cannot play less than 25 minutes a game. Like they got to play up there and even closer to 30 if you can't fit them. Obviously, Caruso, even though he's not a volume three point guy, you can't not play him close to 25 30 minutes a game because how valuable he is defensively uh that what he brings so to me that means as as much as i'm not out i like io and means io is not in the rotation every night and to me that's the reality and i don't want to go 10 d All this team is a 10 d team if you really want to improve the shooting Uh, obviously drummond's going to play because we can't play 48 minutes and obviously Billy will mess around with the Lions because Billy does love to do small ball. And I can totally see nights where he sticks with Pat and Tori a little bit more uh, up front to do the small ball stuff. But well, yeah. I just think that is the reality of the situation, that it has to come down where Io only plays when there's foul trouble or someone has can't play that night. The uh, reality is this is, a, this is a eight-man roster with Drummond being that nice guy that plays you know, up to when Billy thinks it's reasonable for him to be in the rotation. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that?
2: I mean, I, I think you're pretty much on the money in that if you're trying to figure out the odd man out, uh, unless Billy's going true 10 deep, um, Io I would probably have to prove – more concretely he can knock down those shots and then yeah. confidently take those shots um because right now you probably have more trust in javon doing that as you said uh-huh. uh, along with kobe Um uh, you know if you're talking about backcourt guys obviously zach um but then you know yeah the, as far as the second unit um Tori, javon um i mean heck even like Julian Phillips, like he looks like he can knock down threes. Yeah. He looked good in his right preseason minutes. <laughs> like you talk mm-hmm. about Billy going small ball. I like my dark horse wish/slash hot take bold prediction for this season. What I want to see happen is Julian Phillips get legit minutes. Cause between summer league and then just a handful of preseason minutes, I mean, I I am so high on that, on that young man right now. Um but yeah, I I think it's yeah. it's tough to see. Um, where Io can fit into this rotation steadily if he's not knocking down his threes. And it, it's the same thing that I've said to Big Dave about Dale and Terry recently, who, like, right. lo- love the guy. We, like, want to root for him. Easy to root for through two summers observing him at Summer League and then even just his rookie year where he didn't play much, but he was there and he was active and he was, by all accounts, a great teammate, engaged in the games, and, like, happy-slash-excited, Dayland is a fun thing to witness as part of the Bulls game experience. But as I've been trying to explain to Dave, like if you're a backcourt player or a wing in the NBA right now, and you're not like elite, elite defensively, which Caruso is, so you allow him to have his off nights where his three-point shot is not falling, you you have to be able to knock down threes to stay on the floor. Mm -hmm. You just have to. If you're a guard or a wing in the NBA and you can't hit a three, you don't play. That's why Dalen doesn't play.
1: <laughs> right. Man, I I, I really want Dalen to be a thing one day. <laughs> I really want him to be a thing. It's not I like we, we were talking about this uh I think on our last show, just comparing like we were comparing like the shot mechanics of Patrick Williams, Dalen Terry and Julian Phillips coming into the NBA. And I was just wondering, I was just like, man, like is Julian Phillips ahead of where Dalen Terry was <laughs> like coming into the league. Definitely. And I, like, I think it's a clear yes. And I would argue it, it's a toss up between him and Patrick Williams too, which is kind of crazy. So, I mean, who knows Julian Phillips might surprise, but uh, I, I think Salim is spot on in terms of like what this rotation is going to look like. Um, let me let me also, like, ask this. Um, I, I know there was, like, a little chatter of DeMar taking a few more threes. Um, I don't know how likely that actually is going to be, but what do you think are the chances that DeMar actually tries to, like, exp- like go back to that a little bit? Like, I think the last time he even took, like, more than three threes a game was kind of, like, back towards the end of his Toronto run. But, I mean, is there even a chance that DeMar actually starts to shoot more threes this season?
2: I can see it. I mean, we saw him willingly take threes uh, when he was open in those preseason games. And he even knocked down some of them. It's not like I, and this is just, just my personal opinion. I'm not asking DeMar to suddenly launch six threes a game. Cause right. like, no, that's not his strength. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, a tricky spot where the bulls are talking about trying to play faster, shoot more threes. And like, the the most, you know, classic Damar thing that he is great at is the opposite of all that in a lot of ways. He likes to slow down, he likes to get to his spot methodically. He likes to beat his guy one on one with his incredible footwork, his dribbling, his pump fakes, get to the line. And so he doesn't really fit into that. Let's play faster. Let's get more off ball movement. Let's, you know, get guys making cuts, setting off ball screens for each other so they can pop out for open catch and shoot threes. That's not who DeMar is. I still think you can make use of like optimizing the things DeMar is best at at certain points throughout a game and, and shifting things stylistically around that and encouraging DeMar. Hey, when you're open for a three, take it. You know, it's, it's like he he shot zero threes in the past two seasons uh, of his bulls tenure. I like it's, not the biggest concern to me when it comes to talking about changing this team shot profile and not being in the basement of the NBA in three-point temporary. Um, You know, we've touched on most everybody on this roster and their ability or lack thereof to knock down threes. DeMar being willing to take two or three or maybe even four threes a game. I'm confident that he will do that. If that's what the game and and the uh, the defense that they're seeing is dictating. And yeah, maybe some nights he'll go zero for four. Maybe some nights he'll go two for four. Great. I'm not really worried about that part.
0: Hmm. Yeah, the, the, the three point shooting is not going to be like the difference between this team uh, climbing the charts on that and or not. I think. And realistically, yeah, you don't want DeMar taking five, six, threes a game because then that takes away from DeMar's game and that takes away from the Bulls winning basketball because the things that DeMar does well is what helps the Bulls win games. So, yeah, you, you like to see, like you said, three, maybe four is even probably pushing like three, solid three, threes a game would be great for DeMar. And if he can hit like 35% on those, that's pop, That's a huge win mm-hmm. um and then outside of that it, again it just comes down to everyone else upping their upping their volume and and again making sure he plays the players that can shoot the ball
1: right so we'll we'll see how much all of this overall has an impact on the bulls like first stretch of games like we were talking about at the beginning I think we are going to find out what this team actually is very quickly because the schedules – like, I I think in terms of opponent, you can argue that the schedule is not, like, great. But I think in terms of the Bulls having 10 of their first 15 games at home, I think that's a pretty big plus to really start off your season with and to really try and cover some sort of ground, especially – with the way this team has kind of been like over the past couple of seasons. Like I think in, when you go back to two seasons ago, they were crushing it at home and just kind of like whatever on the road. So if they can kind of get to that and really start cleaning up at home, hopefully they can really start off well this season. So, um, Matt, where, where, where do you, where do you put this team in terms of just like win loss record predictions for the season? Like I, I know, the expectation, I think, is probably some sort of like 38, 40, maybe 42 or 44 is probably on the more optimistic end. But uh, where, where do you see this team like finishing overall? So earlier this offseason, you
2: know, familiarizing myself with, with what Javon and Tori could provide, addressing clear weaknesses on the team and knowing that basically other than that, they're running a pack. I, for a while, talked myself into being like, OK, well, between that and the fact that they just coughed up so many winnable games, games they should have won that they ended up losing by a possession or two down the stretch last season. You know, they went from being a great clutch team yeah, two seasons ago to being like awful, like their win loss record in, in uh, clutch games basically flipped from twenty one, twenty two to last season. So I was like, maybe if they just win a handful more of those games. Damar said the same thing um, at media day when he was talking about the ceiling for this team and how they can vision themselves being competitive again. He cited a bunch of games where he was like, hey, we, we could have had 10 or 15 more wins last season. I think AK said 19 games that they lost either in overtime or, you know, were within five points, five minutes to go. Um, so, I really wanted to talk myself into being like, they can get back to 46 wins, and maybe that means a sixth seed. But I, I let it marinate for a minute, and I look around the East, and then I watch them play their preseason minutes. And where I am right now is watching this team go 40 and 42 again. Like, I I hate that that's how I feel, but that that's what I'm seeing right now. I'm seeing a painfully mediocre middle-of-the-pack They'll probably be in the play-in. Maybe they'll get out of it. Maybe they won't. This is what this team is. This is what this team's ceiling is. Unless we see some crazy, unexpected explosion of stardom from somewhere we're not anticipating seeing it. Um, You know, like other teams in the East made solid moves. Young teams on the up and up, are going to be more challenging. You you look around the league for those automatic win games. And as a Bulls fan, you look through an 82-game schedule and you're like, there aren't any automatic win games. You just you just don't feel, or at least I personally, don't feel that confident in this group. Um, you know, OKC is a young team that we're going to face in the regular season opener in a couple of nights. You're like, yeah, OK, well, Bulls veteran team, more star-studded line. Are they? Like, SGA is a legit star, like superstar in the making. They got Holmgren back in the mix. They got Jalen Williams. They got Giddy doing his thing. Oh, by the way, the Bulls lost to the Thunder twice last year. Like, yeah, there are. It's it's hard to count up wins when you're going through their schedule and feeling confident about it. But they do have talent. They'll be on some nights. They'll be off some nights. That's why what I see right now is basically a 500 team. I went with 40 and 42 because it would just be so comedically Bulls to decide let's run it back
1: and then have the exact same outcome as a year ago. Yeah. I- like going through the first like couple of games, like OKC, Toronto, Detroit, Indiana, Dallas, Brooklyn, Denver, Utah, Phoenix, Detroit, Milwaukee, Orlando twice, Miami twice. Like that's the first fifteen games of the season. Yeah,
2: it's like brutal. You said Detroit twice. You said Orlando twice. And you're like, even still, like, what do you think of after that first fifteen? Eight and it's, seven, seven and eight. Like,
1: <laughs> and it, it, it's not brutal. Like again, ten of those fifteen games are at home. Yeah. So it it's right. a schedule where you could do some damage, especially if you're a team that already has uh continuity, for example um <laughs> you're not trying to integrate any major new pieces uh Tori Craig and Javon Carter, who fit the team well, so you should be able to get off to a decent start theoretically, even if you're not a contender like you should be able to play well your your guys have played together a lot so. I, I don't know, like eight and seven. I mean, it, it would be what this team is, but it would still be like, man, like that's that's the best you got after this. And then once you get past that stretch, it gets crazy because then eight of your next twelve are on the road, <laughs> and it's it's just gonna it's just gonna catch up to you. So that's why I'm like, look, we're gonna find out what this team is really really quickly. And if they, I think if they finish under 500 in this first 15 game stretch. I think you got to call it a day, honestly. I think you just say, look, man, it it ain't happening, man. Because, like, if you can't do something with that that stretch, man, again, 10 of your first 15 are at the United Center. And I said Orlando twice. <laughs> and Detroit twice. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you, Ed. Like, it, if they are through the first 15, 20-game sample size and they're struggling to get to 500 or stay afloat at 500, hmm the the logical person would say, you got to start making some calls and you got to start thinking about lottery balls. I mean, like that's how I've always looked at it. And while, while that's how I feel, and that's what I think they should do, if that's the run it back sample size, a third of the way through the season is this ain't going well. It's the same result. Do I think that the front office will face that reality? Do I think that ownership? We'll face that reality. Yeah. No, I don't. With ownership, it's because they don't want to steer towards the bottom again because when they did that and they failed to get it off the ground, they finally saw Bulls fans get fed up and stop showing up to the United Center. Towards the end of that 1920 season, when the team was still trash, the United Center finally started emptying out. And that's when ownership finally said, oh, shit, okay, I guess we finally have to fire Gar and John to get fans back in the building. And then from the front office's perspective, I mean, if you blow this up, then you start thinking about maybe the clock ticking on your job security. Because, yes, the Rhinestors are notoriously loyal and loyal to a fault. But you called in, you know, and and spent a lot of your chips to assemble this team with Zach and signing him to the richest contract of Bulls history to get him to stay, signing DeMar, bringing in Vooch and giving up everything you gave up to get him in that trade to – you know, put together a win now team, a be competitive now team. And for Jerry, being competitive just means go to the playoffs. I don't, I, don't, I don't need you to win a championship. Just go to the playoffs. Keep the building full all season long. That's all Jerry wants. You know, it drives me crazy, but that's all he wants. But if they can't even do that with this roster, I mean, yikes. Simultaneously, all we're hearing is that, yeah, like they're not necessarily aggressively shopping Zach Levine. But they're taking calls on him. Maybe occasionally they'll make a call on him. By all accounts, they are nowhere close to receiving the uh, the kind of offer of return.
1: For oh, they're going to They're going to lose that Zach Levine deal. It, whenever it happens, and there's too much smoke that it won't that you know it that it'll it'll eventually happen one day. They're going to lose
2: it because and that's why I think you'll you know they they're afraid to blow it up. Because they know that they're right. gonna lose that Zach Levine trade. Um, yeah. and and probably lose it badly, despite the fact that you know, half of Bulls fans are convinced that Zach is on a terrible contract and he's a shitty yeah. empty calorie <laughs> score kind of player. Like, whatever. Right. I don't even give those Bulls fans the time of day because they're just flat wrong. Zach is a star. If they decide to blow this up and trade him, be based on the perceptions around the league and what people are offering, um, and the fact that those teams who have thrown those crazy four or five first-round pick and pick swap kind of trades for mid-level stars have already you know realized and started regretting the error of their ways like that go bear trade just insane like the bulls are not getting that or anything close to it if they de- decide to trade zach and that's why they're kind of stuck where they are yeah hundred percent it,
1: yeah, i <laughs> no yeah luck. you know I,
0: you know before the before the pre, getting back to like the win-loss record before the preseason started i think i was a little more optimistic because like you know i think this team could win 45 46 games I, I could see that coming about uh if you know you see good, good steps from kobe pat and some of the other things work out but after preseason i just 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 really need to lower my expectations and i'm with you i, I see a 500 team um but right now i'm going with 41 41. Uh, I'm, hoping I'm hoping we're wrong. We're so that this team can just come, Pat, you know, definitely comes out and looks like that, that, uh, the Denver game, the set, the first or no, the second Denver game, Pat, where he just out there playing with confidence, playing really good defense, you know, uh, having one of the best, better four defenders out there and, and Aaron Gordon on him and just absolutely taking him off the dribble and doing step backs on him, those stuff like that. That's what you want to see. And then obviously, Kobe, I think we all feel confident in Kobe, but like, again, Kobe does indeed take that big step. And we see the three point shooting going up. Everything that, you know, Billy wants to do with putting more pressure out the rim that does work out. And this offense, you know, not to say it goes back to being a top 10 offense, but gets back to like the 15 to 18 range. That could, and the defense doesn't take a big slide. That can make the team pretty fun. And maybe they do end up winning plus four, like in the higher forties at that point. But it's, it's tough to see that right now. Like I I need to see it to believe it in that sense, because so that's why I'm just at, man, like this team does not look that much different. I, the, the talent, I'm not sure is going to really come out and be able to be cohesive together. Like they want to do be, uh, you know, uh, you hear talks about how, Maybe there's so, some some concerns with Zach supposedly not wanting to play like you know they want him to play like off ball more. Um, there's been whispers about that, obviously. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I'm at. That's why I'm at, at at 41 and 41. And yeah, that, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'm I'm somewhere around that too. I think 42 and 40 maybe, um, 43 and. Thirty-nine. I don't know. I, just somewhere around the middle, I guess. I don't know. I, it may not even matter. It could just go go in of <laughs> ways. Like I, I, I think the signings of Carter and and Craig are fine, and they stay mm-hmm. well, and they fit what this team actually needs. But like, I, I, I think there just isn't really a scenario, or even a likely scenario, that those signings can launch you into some level that you haven't been before. Like, I think we've seen that, you know, what the peak of this team looks like. And it's unfortunate that, you know, we, we can't get back to it for obvious reasons, but, you know, I, I think it just, is kind of what it is. Like like Matt said, they they want to remain competitive and, you know, that's Reinsdorf's MO, whatever, whatever. But, you know, this is just kind of what this team is. If, if there's going to be any chance for them to be, any sliver of a hope for them to be anything different? Then I think we have to know it very quickly. Otherwise, it's just kind of like, all right, well, more of last season, I guess. You know. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I think I'm gonna go and 40 to 140 and stay on the. Maybe that's the most sea red I have in me uh, for now. <laughs> well,
2: you don't. You don't want too much sea red in you head. You know, you know keep those sea red levels low. I mean, are you referring to just like the the Bulls fan motto of c Red, or oh, are, yeah, no, are I, we talking about a specific? Yeah, C-Red? I can't be.
1: Yeah, I can't be Fred. I, I don't. I don't know what no, Fred no is. No one can be Fred. <laughs> yeah, I, but that, that's I always have to go forty-two and forty right now.
2: Well, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw he he so he pushed back, you know, yet again, his prediction of the Bulls seventh championship. And then like his most recent one was like, OK, I was kidding about 2020. But Let, let's remember, he predicted that they were going to win a championship in 2020 after they blew the team up. And then it was like, no, I meant 2022. No, OK, actually, I meant 2023. And then coming into this season, he's like, just kidding. I I didn't mean the, the NBA championship. They're going to be in tournament champions in 2023. Uh, that's So uh, that's where Fred is right now, trying to maintain his Bulls fan optimism.
1: Uh, uh, would the Bulls win winning yeah. the in-season tournament? No. Most Bulls thing? Oh, no, I thought really you were going must. to say, would it make you happy or <laughs> or
2: mean anything significant? And that's why my quick answer was no. Yeah. Yes, it would be the most Bulls thing ever. Yes. And if they <laughs> try to justify that to the fan base as, oh, look, see, we won the mid-season tournament. <laughs> I, I will start harder h- going to.
1: Center. Center. Is, is that raise
0: prices on the tickets because they won the in season tournament. They're basically like it was when Trubisky won the MVP. Remember the Nickelodeon most valuable player? Yeah. So it's quite the winning a uh, mid season tournament and then they go on to just be a mid uh, season or uh, a uh, playing team. That's essentially what it would be
1: like. Look, I like uh, the MVP was a lot of fun. That, that I think that's worth, like, that retiring for.
0: <laughs> I guess I know. was the one with Lance, uh, Mary uh, Larry Nance Jr. Turning into, uh, Patrick after the dunk. closing yeah. Yeah. They also, also did, the something on yeah. Nickelodeon, yeah. Uh, uh, the NBA did. Right. I yeah. can't remember. Maybe I'm doing something else. Maybe I'm mixing things up. I can't remember.
1: I know what you're talking about. That was like a GIF and it was just kind of out of control. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm all for it though. So, um, I, I'm surprised, like, I'm surprised this thing wasn't like, since it's like seven, winning the seventh championship, it's not like 2027 20, or it wasn't just like sticking with 2023 because two plus zero plus two plus three equals seven. So... Right. That, that's
2: how the, the flawless, uh, impenetrable logic started out. Um, yeah. And just... Just shocked that that, that his uh, premonitions haven't come true. Oh. Truly shocked. <laughs> <17 laughs> so he was on, but he said if the Bulls indeed
0: don't win it last year, he would give up his profit uh, label. But I, I can find that episode, and I'm, I'm pretty confident we got him to say that he would, but
2: obviously he's uh, Fred, and he will never live up to his word. <laughs> so guys, I think I discovered the secret. I just muted Fred on Twitter. I don't like I, I didn't block him because that would just be too mean. And I genuinely do enjoy him as a human being. I think he's a very sweet, kind-hearted guy. But I just I, I can't read these tweets anymore. They're breaking my brain, and I I just I can't do it. So I just mute him. Yes. I, like every once in a while, if I'm like logged into our CHJO Bulls account instead of my personal account, I'll like see it because somebody else commented on it in my feed or something. I'm like, oh, there's Fred still spitting his takes out in the universe. But no, I'm a much healthier uh, individual mentally and emotionally speaking once I stopped reading Fred's tweets. Oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> Uh, directed to a specific answer that Fred wants you to give.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, like, it He's was- was like, uh, like the RNC uh,
0: uh um, oh, this kind of his Twitter, where he just he just out <laughs> a question. Do you have this to happen? Or do
1: you <laughs> Oh, man. Look, shout uh, out to Fred, man. We we definitely got to get him back. A I get oh, he I was, love was that. fun.
2: I know, I'll, Fred, I'll always enjoy when I when I get a chance
1: to see Fred because he truly is. Just, he's a delightful guy, but yeah, he, he needs to retire from making polls predictions. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, Matt, this is, this has been great talking to you. Uh, we're ex- I know you're excited for the start of the regular season. We're excited. It's going to be a long season, but hopefully the Bulls can make some sort of entertainment out of all of this, whether it's winning the in-season tournament or just beating a really good team one time. And that's our championship. I don't know, but hopefully something decent comes from this. Um, what what can we look forward to uh, from, from CHLGO this season you know, for all Bulls covers. Let's let us know what you guys got going on. And as always, feel free to plug anything else you got going on, man.
2: Uh yeah. Well, first and foremost, again, thank you guys so much for the invite. As always, appreciate it. It's always a joy to talk Bulls with you guys. Appreciate what you guys do for the Bulls fan community. You guys are real ones. Um, and you know, Bulls fans need a bunch of real ones leading yeah. the charge, um, providing content for our fellow diehard Bulls fans. And and I think like that's that's what I am looking forward to most. Like I'm, I'm staring down the barrel of another season where I fear the bulls are going to be painfully mediocre and they're going to go 40 and 42 or 41 and 41. And that's a really hard kind of season to get excited for. If that's, if that's what you fear is coming, but I'm still excited because we get to do this, this awesome gig where we just talk about the bulls and interact with our fellow bulls fans every game night with our pre and post game coverage, you know, on, on our CHGO sports YouTube channel, um, doing it with, you know, my CHO Bulls crew who I just love and respect and and I enjoy hanging out with them and working with them and I enjoy, you know, interacting with our fellow Bulls fans. And I, if if this season, like you were talking about, that first 15 game or so sample, mm-hmm. if, if it looks like what we're afraid it's going to look like, the people who are still tuned in and are still going to watch the games and are still going to tune in and listen to y'all's podcast and and, you know, tune into our post-game shows, like those true, like diehard, sea red bulls fans, I, I have such great respect for those fans. They're like they're the real ones. They're the ones who were watching during the bald headed menace era. They're the ones who were watching during the Tim Floyd field rebuild. Like it is always impressive to me, and and like an awe inspiring thing to witness bulls fans be this dedicated all the time, uh, regardless of the quality of the team. It, like truly unparalleled in, in fandom, uh, elsewhere, like Bulls right. fans are the elite. They're the best. And I, I love interacting with them and making content for them. So yeah. Um, you know, Bulls games, all 82 this season, we'll be doing post game. We're going to be doing pre-game for most of them on top of that. Um, and we've got a couple of things that are in the works for this season, uh, new partnerships that might be, you know, uh, rolling around and announced soon. We're going to be doing some more takeovers with fans where we go and just get up a bunch of tickets and go hang out at games together. We're going to do be, be doing some watch parties again this season. We might, a little bit of a tease, not officially yet. We're still in the works. We might even be doing some content from the Madhouse this season. So we're pretty excited okay. about that too. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. And most most uh, most importantly, whether or not the team is making us happy with wins or or making us sad with losses, I'm just excited to to do this gig for another, another
1: season because Bulls fans make it the most fun job of the world. Oh man. No, you're, you're spot on, man. This, this fan base definitely deserves a lot more than uh what we're expecting. <laughs> Damn right, man. <laughs> what we're expecting, man. I, I wish it could be better, but yeah, it, Bulls fans, they, they'll always make it entertaining regardless, man. Just, just great words, Matt. So uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely looking forward to everything. CSGO is going to be doing this season. We'll be following as always. So Ah, uh, shout out to you! Shout out to Big Dave, Matt, Will, all the crew, and yeah, we'll we'll be looking forward to that. Salim, you got any final thoughts before we wrap up, man? So Matt,
0: I appreciate you, man. You you're a real one. You, I uh, appreciate your friendship that I've uh, gained over the years. Uh, it's been what five, six years now since we. Uh, met each other on off the Twitterverse, mm-hmm.
2: and <laughs> time uh, flies, and, man. Time flies. Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. And you know, it's, it's, I've been an admirer of your work, uh, for far out of the lockdown days. And eventually when Ed and I did this podcast, I was able to uh, get you to come on our show. And, you know, since then, you know, we've been, it's been really awesome interacting with you. And obviously everything you guys do at CHU, even though the bulls are depressing, you guys are, you guys crack me up with some of this stuff that you, the banter you guys have with, with each other and, uh, and the ad reads that Big Dave does. Those are, <laughs> those are worth tuning in for alone. Uh if, yeah. you know, the bulls can be interesting, depressing, but the ad reads are fantastic. You gotta listen to do the ad reads.
2: The Bulls might um, let us down, but we'll always have Big Dave's ad reads. <laughs> yeah, I, like,
1: exactly. I like when exactly. they does uh, the Bulls fan voice. Uh that that's always still my favorite one, man. the generic bulls fan Oh yeah. Bull, <laughs> Big Dave's uh not not thinking
2: too brightly, uh, Bulls fan impression. It's yeah. great stuff. I love it. That's, oh, nice wow. nice. that's my stuff right there. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, we'll see what happens i'm going to the home opener uh shout out to melissa and Rabina. they're doing that massive bulls uh, like 50 plus people uh, group thing uh they, they're they're awesome i'm i get disappointed because like every time they do a birds outing like at a bar or something i have something going on, or my schedules can't you know fit that in uh hopefully i can one of these days this year i'm sure they're going to do more because those things are such a massive success uh, hopefully, I can show up for one of them and, and support them because those two are awesome as well. Uh, yeah, really they're great. I, I was at their
2: their uh, Bulls watch party for one of their preseason games uh, at that bar in Logan a couple weeks ago. Um, it was great to see them. It's really cool what they're doing. Uh, you know, really providing an, another fun thing for for the Bulls fan community.
0: Yeah, yeah. So shout out to them, and I'm I'm, I'm gonna be at home opener. I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm not sitting there pissed off all night. <laughs> That's that's the fear I have, um,
1: but yeah, yeah Thunder team is scary, man. Fan. That Thunder team is man. scary. <laughs> I think it's gonna be it's close, good, man. man. I, 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 uh, I I feel optimistic. I I I think it's gonna be close. I dare even say they will win.
0: <laughs> I hope like so. I of that. I hope you're right. I hope you are right. And I'm after that game. I'm just hyped and excited that they won. But we'll see. We'll see for sure. But yeah, that's uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah we'll we'll see what happens uh you know maybe even maybe we get an opener like shades of uh i don't know if it will ever be like this but shades of uh when miami we face miami in miami on the night and we got the uh the infamous the infamous alonzo morning uh jiff out of that so uh, (laughs) feel i have a feeling i'm gonna be making that
2: face a lot this season (laughs) Oh man!
1: Yeah. I'm
0: mean, thinking, man, this this game sucks. I'm I i can not believe I'm a fan of this team. But then you can remember, well, maybe they'll blow it up, and you're like,
1: yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, yeah, that, that concludes today's show. As always, you can catch our past episodes wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll always catch us right here on the Barroom Network. Thank you again to Matt Peck for joining us. For Celine Surala, I'm Edward Shuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you next time, Bulls fans.